Thank you, Brother Dan. This morning, our title for a lesson is Back to the Word. And when we say back to the Word, what are we referring to? The Word of God, absolutely. Our family theme is having reverence for God's Word. Our objective is that we would learn to place high value on God's Word. And we do that by reading it, studying it uh, with others, but also putting it into practice. And Lord willing, in our, in our lesson, we'll see that played out, how one step leads to another. Uh, I know for years, in fact, uh, when Pam and I first got married, uh, I don't know how we got involved with it, but you know, remember them big Bibles you used to sit on your coffee table? Man, we had one sitting there for years. And of course, we weren't saved. And basically, all it was was a dust collector, right? Uh, but how many know God's Word wasn't meant to be that? It's supposed to be applied to our lives. Our study text is Nehemiah chapter 8, verses 1 through 18, also Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. We've got two key truths this morning. First of all, uh, we gather together as God's people, number one, for corporate worship, but also like in Sunday school, Wednesday night, for smaller groups to hear, learn, and apply the Word of God. And we'll see how that is also played out in Nehemiah chapter 8 today. Also, uh, Christian parents and grandparents, uh, you know, not only do they read the Word of God for themselves, but they read it in order to help train their children, to train their grandchildren to learn, to understand, and obey the Word of God every day. Under our Bible basis thing, we're to uh, encourage to know. Uh, we're to we're encourage to review Joshua chapter one, uh, verse nine this morning, and I had it before me. And and God says to Joshua. By, by the way, who was Joshua? Anybody remember who he was? Who did he follow in leadership? Moses, right? How many would like to follow that man? Right. Now, what's interesting, Joshua was God's man for the hour. And God wanted Joshua to know that. And here's what he says to him. And Joshua went on, Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of good courage, be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. Why would God say that? He knew Joshua had the daunting task. But he said, don't be afraid, don't be dismayed. Here's the reason. For the Lord thy God is with thee, with us wherever thou goest. What does that mean? Does that just apply to Joshua? It applies to all of us. No matter where we go, God is with us. What a verse. So what does our lesson today fit in the overall story of the Bible? Well, we've been looking at Ezra and Nehemiah the last few weeks, and uh, very in the same time period. In fact, they kind of overlap. And uh, Nehemiah uh, follows Ezra to Jerusalem uh, probably about 13, 14 years later. But that's kind of the area where it is around 444 years uh, before Christ. Now, keep that in mind as well. We'll talk more about that date and how important that is in just a moment. Uh, I never get started. Anybody here, and I need some response to this, this morning in this. Do you have some essential routines in your week or your day? What what are some of the essential routines we have? By the way, what is the routine? Okay, over and over again. All right. Okay. What are some of them? 
Okay. Somebody else. <laughs> All right. Do we brush our teeth usually? Yeah, that's a routine. Uh, now, now, I know it's not exciting, but is it necessary? Sure. And all of us have routine, whether it be daily routine, sometimes weekly routine, and uh, pretty well. Now, again, we are not uh, fortune tellers. We don't believe in those. And But pretty well, we know what our day is going to unfold unless something comes up we didn't expect. And so we do have those daily routines. Well, routines are important to almost everybody. We all have them, of course. And hopefully today, as we look at God's Word, we're going to find out how God's people needed some activities that should be routine even to us today as we follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, you know that uh, Nehemiah uh, has a burden or had a burden for the uh, rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem, and that's why he traveled uh, to Jerusalem. Ezra, his burden was to rebuild the temple, and uh, he got that going. But what's interesting, uh, it took about 52 days to rebuild that wall. Now, I find that amazing, don't you? With all the, the things they had to deal with, but after 52 days, according to Nehemiah 6, verse 15, uh, they, they finished the wall, and they gather together as a congregation to hear the Word of God, the Scriptures, read. Now, by the way, uh, this would be uh, the seventh month, uh, the Festival of Trumpets. And back in Deuteronomy 31, in verses 10 through 13, God had commanded them they ought to do that at the beginning of every seventh month of the year. So, again, chapter 8 we're in today is going to focus on how they not only read the Word of God, But they also taught the Word of God and also how the people responded to it. Now, let me sort of put an advertisement in here. And I know I'm speaking to the choir. And that's why uh, corporate worship is so important. Coming together to worship God. Now, can we worship God by ourselves? Sure, but not the same way you can corporately. And the same is true about coming together to study the Word of God whether it be in Sunday school, Wednesday night, or some other small group Bible study, uh, like Master's Men or Lydia's Ladies, all different ways we can come together to study the Word of God. And so as they gather together and uh, uh, to hear the Word of God, whether in a, in a big congregation or we're going to find out they divide it up in groups and they explain the Word of God, the bottom line is people will discover ways to lead their families that would certainly lead to ways to change the way their families live. And that's the importance of the Word of God. So our first key truth is that people do gather together, God's people, for corporate worship, but also in smaller groups to hear, learn, and apply the Word of God. Nehemiah chapter 8, verses 1 through 15. And Dan, I said a while ago, you have a lot of nerve if you're going to read this today, okay? Ezra, the priest, brought the law before 
Thank you, Dan. Would you mind reading that one more time? No. 
Wow, can you imagine those names? Dan, we do appreciate your braveness in doing that. Here, what's interesting, this is so good. What a, what a great passage of scripture. Now, it's interesting, and, and let, again, let's kind of review what's going on here. Uh, of course, it is the seventh month, it is the festival of the booze, if you will. And it's a time of celebration. And, uh, they gather there together. <laughs> and it's interesting, uh, as you were reading down, I underlined something in verse three. It says, uh, he read to those who understand and the ears of people who were, and all the people were attentive. What does that mean? They were listening. Uh, yesterday morning, uh, Brother Tim Stout, uh, he served for many years with us on the mission board, and he and I have become pretty good friends, and he pastors Heritage Real Baptist Church, uh, one of the largest in our state, not the largest, but one of the largest, and yesterday he was dre- dressed real, real casual. And he said, Brother Rollins, he said, the reason I dress real casual, he said, I have trouble sleeping in a suit. And uh, I thought, that's a lot, you know, <laughs> of course, he was kidding, of course, but when the Word of God was read, they paid attention. And I wonder why that was. I wonder why that was. Absolutely. And then you're right, because remember, this hadn't been done since the days of Joshua. I mean, generations had gone by, not just during captivity, but even during the times of the kings, they failed to come together. That doesn't mean nobody ever read the Word of God. Now, first of all, uh, how many would say, hey, I've got a Bible here this morning. Show me your hands. you got a phone, right? I saw it the other day. Now, that's all right. In fact, uh, Saturday morning, Pam came and she was carrying our Bibles. And Brother Crabtree, our promotion friend, knows this real well. He said, what are you doing carrying a Bible to church? <laughs> but you're right, Dan. They were hungry to hear the Word of God. Now, by the way, I confess, I never take this Bible home. I've got one on my computer. I've got one on my phone, so I rarely, you know, study out of this Bible anymore. But I do have some written copies. And all of us probably at least got one written copy, right? Well, who had copies of the Bible back then? Hardly anybody did. So it's kind of interesting. So, again, you know, the, he gets the Word of God out. And also notice uh, there uh, in verse 4, uh, the Bible says that Ezra stood upon a pulpit of wood. What, what was the purpose of that? Absolutely. They weren't trying to elevate himself. He wanted people to be able to see him and to hear what he, well, didn't have to say. He was reading the Word of God. And they started early in the morning and read to when? Yeah. About how long, probably? At least four hours. At least four hours. So, uh, Ezra had a Bible. It started in Genesis and it ended in Revelation. No, he didn't have that one, did he? He had the Pentateuch. He had the first five books of Moses. Why was that? Huh? Yeah, that was all they had. Now, it was enough. Now, here's what's interesting. Uh, Cheryl, go ahead. Yes. Yes, that would include that. And, uh, you know, can you imagine as he's reading, he covers creation. The story of the Exodus. Uh, and Cheryl, you mentioned Deuteronomy. Does anybody know what the word Deuteronomy literally means? Anybody remember? Say it again. 
Okay, you're right, but it means second law. Okay? Now, that doesn't mean there's two laws. It just means by the time Deuteronomy is written, a new generation has come along. So Moses rereads, if you will, or recovers the law for them that this new generation would know what God expected from them. So he reads from Genesis to Deuteronomy. And Dan, at least read those names again for me, okay? <laughs> but these men are on the left and the right as Ezra is reading the word of God. And I find that kind of interesting. But also notice, not only when were they attentive to the word of God, um, but in verse 5, I'm trying to find my place here, when he opened up the Bible, or the Word of God, they, they wouldn't call it the Bible then, the Pentateuch. What did the people do as soon as he opened it? They stood up. Why did he do that? Yeah, in reverence to the Word of God. I mentioned a moment ago, Dr. Pickerel, he did give a seminar on the authority of God's Word. And it reminded me, and it ought to remind all of us, every time we read Whose word is this? It's God's. God is speaking to us. So as soon as they opened the book, the people stood up. Now remember, they didn't have Revelation or any of the New Testament yet. And not quite all of the Old Testament. I said a few weeks ago, I hope you know that our Bible that we have is not written in chronological order necessarily. Now certainly the first you know, four or five chapters are. But after that, not necessarily so. And, of course, we've been in the book of Ezra, now in the book of Nehemiah. And uh, they would be grouped more toward Malachi. It's the, the toward the end of uh, the Old uh, Testament. And what's interesting is this. He had the five uh, books of the, of the Bible, the Pentateuch, if you will. Uh, but many believe that the Old Testament was finally completed during the time of Nehemiah or shortly after that. In fact, by 430 B.C., the before Christ, uh, the Old Testament was completed. And I want to tell you again, this is an amazing book, uh, because it is the Word of God, but how God could use different men over a period of all that time to write, uh, and yet it all has continuity. It all goes and links together. Now, it's also interesting uh, before the uh, captivity, uh, certainly the priests from time to time uh, would read from these books. And one passage they would read over and over again was Deuteronomy chapter 6, and we'll be there in a moment, verses 4 through 7. And it was called the Shema. And those verses began with the words, Hear, O Israel, the Shema. Hear, O Israel. And you have to wonder, when Ezra stood up that day, do you th- he may have started out, Hear, O Israel. He wanted the people to hear the very word of God. So he calls them to listen as he read, read from the scripture that he had, the, De- the, the Pentateuch, uh, Genesis to uh, Deuteronomy. Who was there that day? Everybody, men, women, young, old, anybody could understand the word of our, understand the reading of the word of God. They were there. They were gathered together that day to hear the word of God. And very much like corporate worship in our time, gathering together, 
as we do every week. Uh, and they came together that day to hear Ezra preach the word of God. Now, keep in mind, can you imagine as they are standing there in the crowd? And Dan, you're right. They were attended because they wanted to hear God's word. They stood because they uh, stood in reverence to the word of God. Would you agree they were excited to hear it? Absolutely. They were excited to hear the word of God because they realized it was God speaking to them. As it was reading, no doubt about that, but it was God who was speaking to them. So there he is on this high platform, this pulpit, if you will. And Dan, you're right, to project his voice uh, so the crowd could see him. And, and, and they hear him read from the first five books, and he reads for hours. He told them about creation. He read about Moses and Aaron. He read about Abraham and the patriarchs. He read about Noah and the flood. He read the commandments and the details for living in Leviticus and Deuteronomy. He told the whole story and they listened with everything they had. Now keep this in mind. They're getting, and not just cliff notes, okay? They're getting the story. And I wonder as they stood there and they listened that day, (laughs) maybe they realized God's been good to us through the years. Maybe they saw God in a different way. As someone who loved them, who who cared for them, who protected who they were and the nationality. Now remember, the walls have just been finished. And I wonder how often they would glance at the walls a little bit and see what God was doing. Isn't that true? They would see the hand of God. And that wall had some old stones in it. Had some new ones, but it was standing. The gaps were filled. And some of the wall was a little bit worn, but like our lives, isn't that true in our lives? But it's still standing. Still standing. And they realize that because they've been in captivity for years. And guess what the nation's doing? We're still here. We are still here. And by the grace of God and the people who helped brought it back together again. I wonder at, at noon or at 11 o'clock how many been going to look at their watches that day? <laughs> I wonder how many wives thought, man, I've got, I've got a lamb in the oven. If I'm going home, it's going to burn. That was the farthest thing from their mind. Ezra went on and on, and they didn't care. Like you said earlier, Dan, they were hungry for God's Word. They were hungry to hear the Word of God. 
to them it was a breath of fresh air. It sounded so refreshing. And I believe it reminded, reminded them once again of the hope they have in God and how God has been faithful through the years to his people. And they begin to realize, you know what? We need to follow this book. We need to follow with everything we have. And they realize there's some benefits to obeying the word of God. And then in verse 6, the Bible says, Ezra, bless the Lord. And the people responded, and they bowed in worship. I don't know if you've ever seen any newscast where they would show people in the Mideast, especially um, Muslim and so forth. Whenever they show a picture of a, of a worship gathering, how are those people, what are they doing? Just like this, Dan, or what? They're on their face. That's what they did. In the scripture, the word bow, the word worship is always down. They fell on their face before God. You think Ezra told him to do that? No. He didn't say, give me an amen. No. When they heard it, when he blessed the Lord, they automatically fell on their faces to God. And the Bible says they begin to weep. Why were they weeping? You what now? That's part of it. But I think initially it was different. It's what? Yeah, repentance. They were broken. Joy's coming too, Dan. But they were broken. Psalmist was right. Weeping endures for the night. But joy comes in the morning. They were broken. They begin to realize as Ezra read, I almost said Moses, as Ezra read, we failed. We have failed. And as they heard the word of God, and as they began to understand what God would be saying, all of a sudden they realized we need to repent. What does that mean? We need to change. We need to change direction in our lives. That's what the word repent means. And we not just need to repent, we need to put into practice what we just heard Ezra read. And they began to weep. But Dan, here comes the joy part. Ezra and Nehemiah and the other Levites said, the other teachers, hey, don't weep. This is a time for joy. It's a day of gladness. It's a day of celebration. Now remember... They're saying, it's a blessing to be able to come together and gather like we are here today to celebrate the Word of God. So let's celebrate the Word of God. That's interesting. We know Ezra was the reader of the Word. Uh, Dan, one more time, would you read those names of those guys? Come on, Dan, be a sport. Those guys were there for a purpose, weren't they? Not just to hear him. They went out among the crowd. And 
explaining what, as it was reading, them and the Levites. And so they, they divide up, if you will. And so not only did they read the entire congregation, Esther did that, read, read to the entire congregation, these other people went out and began to teach others that they might understand the Word of God. Can you picture it in your mind as they move through the crowds? Ezra's speaking to a big group corporately. Now they're making it smaller groups, like we're doing here on Wednesday night, Sunday morning, uh, Lydia's Ladies, Master, things like that, uh, home Bibles, whatever it might be. And so they're helping them to understand what they were hearing. I'm reminded of the time uh, when God uh, called Philip away from revival, and he met the eunuch on the way on the road of Gaza. On the way back home, he'd been to church, but he hadn't met Jesus yet. And he's reading in the book of Isaiah. And Philip, being gracious, he says, do you understand what you're reading? Good question, right? Why is that important? Amen. If you don't understand, then do you a bit of good. And so, again, the, you know the story. He asked him, is he talking about himself or someone else? And, of course, Philip began to preach Jesus Christ from that. He explained what that verse meant. And that's what these folks are doing. They're going among the crowd explaining what Ezra was reading. Also interesting, the next day, uh, the heads of the families come back, uh, the priests and the Levites, and again, not the whole congregation that was there the day before, but they come back again for more teaching from Ezra. What's that tell us? Ah, we're interested. That was so good, we want what? We want more of it. It is so good, we want more. So, that second day, they learn about the Feast of Booths or the Feast of Tabernacles and why it was practiced. Now think about that. Now remember, it hadn't been practiced since the days of Joshua. And now they hear about it. (laughs) And we want to know why. And so... They realized, now these are heads of families, these are the Levites, the leaders of the people. We need to go back and teach our families to celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles, the Feast of Booths. But we also need to tell them how they need to do it. So there was a corporate gathering, then we see smaller teaching opportunities. And by the way, I think they're all important, but what are some of the advantages of coming together in smaller groups? More questions, more discussion, okay. And uh, yeah, very important. And, and that's what's going on here. They're learning some things. Uh, and that's what they did here. They learned more about the Word of God. So here in Nehemiah chapter 8, especially in verse 8, we see uh, a model for uh, us to follow, uh, to read scriptures aloud to people. And like you said, Dan, it's not just enough to read it, we have to do what? 
understand it. And so, again, explain the meaning. Uh, try to make it clear. Uh, and if we're, uh, what age needs to understand it? Every age needs to understand it. And by the way, my hat goes off to our Sunday school teachers who teach those little ones. I don't know how they do it. Uh, I mean, uh, but they have to bring it on the level that they can understand. They don't change the Word of God, but they teach it so that they can understand it. Now, what's interesting, we talked about teaching the Word of God. And uh, we were in Ezra a few weeks ago. And uh, it's interesting, in Ezra chapter 7, it talks about Ezra who had studied the Word of God. And then once he studied the Word of God, he obeyed the Word of God. And he also taught the Word of God. And so when you do one, it leads to something else, okay? One leads to the next. So whenever we read the Word of God, when God's Word is explained, it will cause obedience. But also, when we model obedience, it creates what I believe is really genuine teaching. Now remember, it's certainly important to teach through the Word, by the words we use, But I think some of the best teaching we do is how we live our lives. And that's exactly what Ezra did and what Nehemiah would do as well. Now, also, don't underestimate. Now, think about this. They gathered together. Ezra read the Word of God from morning to noon, probably at least four hours. Did it have an effect on the people? Yes, a positive effect. And we have to understand God's Word. We have to understand the power of it and the importance of the Word of God. We have His Word in our hands today. God speaking to us. And by the way, in our application, that's why God says not to fail to assemble ourselves together. It's important to come together every week for corporate worship. It's important to be a part of small group study, whether it's Bible study, What do we talk about Sunday school? Those things there. So my question would be, why is it important for us as believers to have a daily, regular intake of God's Word? Why is that important? Amen. Because if we're not into God's Word, we tend to jump track, don't we? It keeps us on the right track. So what happens when we don't spend regular time in God's Word? Yeah, we drift away from God. So number one, God's people gather together for corporate worship as well as smaller Bibles. So number two, Christian parents, and I'll add grandparents because most of them are there, read the Bible for ourselves, and we help our children and grandchildren learn, understand, and obey the Word of God every day. We're going to read Nehemiah chapter 8, verses 16 through 18, and then Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 through 9. Anybody got that? Thank you. 
Okay, thank you. How about anybody got do Alan, you got Deuteronomy six there, verses four through nine? Thank you, Alan. Notice the progression here in Nehemiah chapter 8. The leaders of the families, the leaders of the nation, gather together second day. And they realize that they hadn't kept this, the Feast of Tabernacle, the Feast of Booths, for years. And they kind of said among themselves, you know what, we need to go back home and teach our families this. So right away, in verse 16, what did the people do? Yeah, we're going to build some booths. Now remember, none of them had witnessed it before. They never did it before. And they were going to do it. And by the way, this idea of the Feast of the Tabernacles... It was actually a portrayal of the children of Israel living in tents as they journeyed to the promised land. And Alan, as you read, they hadn't done it since the days of Joshua, the high priest. I mean, yeah, the Joshua, the leader. And, uh, wow. So they read it. We need to do it. And what do they do? They do it. They do it. And they lived in these tents for a week. Now think about this. These families, they either built them on their, some of them had flat roofs on their houses, some had courtyards, but somewhere they built this tent, <coughs> this booth. And they lived in there. And their whole family lived there during a week. Do you think that might have been a teachable time? What was Junior asking? Junior girl, junior son, either one. Yeah. Why are we doing this? What's the purpose of this? I mean, come on, we got air conditioner inside the house. And we're living in a tent. That's my excuse nowadays, all right? But the thing is, why are we doing this? And then the parents say, you know what, let me tell you a story. Let me tell you the story of the Exodus. Okay, yeah. And for this reason, they still celebrate. So I have to ask you, Paul, you think Nehemiah 8 had an effect on the people? Sure. From that time forth, they begin to celebrate 
the festival of booths. How many know it's important we don't forget what God's done for us? That whole week, let me tell you about Moses. Let me tell you about Aaron and what God did on that 40 years. Let me tell you about Joshua and how God not only... But let, me, let, me, let me tell you a story you won't believe. They came to the Red Sea and Moses uh, gets on his walkie-talkie and he radios for some MiG fighters and these MiG fighters come along and... No, that's not what they told him. They told him how God parted the Red Sea. They told him how when they got to the Jordan River, how God parted the Jordan River. They walked across on dry ground. Let me tell you what God has done for us in the past. And guess what? He can do it for us today. What a week of teachable moments. And I don't know, it's been at least 10 years ago, probably a little longer now, when our denomination introduced what we now call the D6 teaching method. And I'll never forget when I introduced it, uh, of course, I thought they were kind of, I don't know, maybe blowing a little bit of hot air. They said within 10 years, it'll be the talk of all domination, and it is today. Uh, we have uh, we have now DCS conferences all over the world. A lot of denominations come, to, denominations come together, and they share God's Word. But it's generational teaching. The Deuteronomy 6 method is what it's all about. Teaching yourselves to teach your children to tell others, continually teaching the Word of God. And in our, even in our church, as small as we are, every Sunday school class, I guess you can't hear me unless you're like him and get in the wrong class that day, uh, teach the wrong class, uh, every class is on the same lesson. Now, I realize that, you know, Pam teaches the younger ones back there, and a couple of others teach younger ones, and uh, they won't have the length of the lesson we have, but it's still on the same topic. And as parents and grandparents, uh, we can go home having learned it in our adult class, knowing what they learned, and, you know, we can begin to ask questions. And But what's interesting is this. During the week, with our, when we're with our grandchildren or children, as they're growing, whatever the case may be, we have moments that we can say, you know what, here's what God would do. And we can share those kind of things. And so all that is based on the Word of God. So again, I'm asking a question. Why did they build those tabernacles, those booths? Why did they do it? Because God said to, right? It's based on the Word of God. And I want to tell you, of course, our family has grown and we're blessed to... Uh, all, all three of our boys are serving God. We appreciate it so much. But some of the best times we've had is around the dinner table, supper table, talking about God's Word, how God has worked in our lives. How much time I got left, Alan? Okay, we got a little bit of time. So, here's what I've seen through the years. Too many Christians... Go to church on Sunday morning, read a little Bible then, and guess what the next time they open it up? Next Sunday morning. That is not enough. It is not enough. Now remember, when they began this, this was the first time these parents had done anything like that before. And I, I have no doubt they're a little bit uh, apprehensive, a little bit uneasy. And they may, may not have done exactly right, 
But it began a new tradition again, restored an old tradition. And I want to tell you, folks, Alan, you read a moment, verse 18. It said they continued to read the Word of God every day. Every day. And then you read in Deuteronomy 6, we're to learn the Word of God so we can teach the Word of God. It needs to be in our hearts, and we need to share it with our children from one generation to another. And by the way, if we don't teach them, who will? They'll learn from the world, not the right stuff, but they're going to learn from the world. It's also interesting, I know I'm about out of time, and again, we're in the book of Nehemiah toward the end of the Old Testament now, in chronological order. But after chapter 8 in Nehemiah, you will never, ever read of idol worship again from the Jews. They heeded the word of God. They heeded the word of God. Let's stand together. Next week, we're going to go to the New Testament, we'll be in the book of Hebrews for about three or four weeks. We'll be in Hebrews chapter 1, the first four verses next week. Uh, Hebrews chapter 2, verses 10 through 16. Hebrews 4, verses 14 through 16. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the authority of your word. We love and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You are dismissed. Thank you for coming today.